If you're just joining us today, we've been talking about ways to proactively protect your wealth, no matter what comes down the line in future, following the changes announced in the federal budget. I'm Wayne Nelson, and you're listening to Talk to the Experts. My guest today is Sherry McMillan from McMillan Estate Planning. A reminder that the McMillan team will be hosting two virtual seminars, Wednesday, May 18th at 6.30 p.m., and Wednesday, June 15th at 6.30 p.m., to talk with you about estate or life planning. To register, contact McMillan Estate Planning. The number is one 266 6464 during weekday office hours. Or go online to the website at macmillanestate.com. That's Macmillan spelled M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N. Sherry, just before the break, we were talking a little bit about the... Uh, some of the changes that were coming down, the uh, changes to banks and uh, life insurers and minimum tax on wealthy Canadians. How is this minimum tax going to work? I mean, we've had this minimum tax for decades now, but how are the changes uh, going to affect Canadians and what are those changes? Sure, Wayne. So the changes are still in the works. We're waiting for them this fall to see what they will look like and unfold, but you're actually accurate. We have actually had alternative minimum tax in Canada since 1986. So it's nothing new to us. But the tricky part is instead of the government, you know, in employing what we call a traditional wealth tax, which was what the discussion was prior to the budget or a capital gains inclusion rate increase, what they've done is they've called it something different and they're calling it a minimum tax on the wealthy. And so in English, what it does, if, if you want to understand it, is when you sell assets, Traditionally, you would owe a specific amount of tax. So let's say when you sell an asset base that's capital gains, for example, in Alberta, um, the inclusion rate is 50% of that. But the end result is on every million dollars of profit you make, you own 25% tax. So approximately $250,000, let us say, on that. Now, what happens with alternative minimum tax is the government makes a presumption that you didn't pay enough tax. They just assume that, and they employ very complex rules to that calculation when you have a particular amount of wealth being sold in a particular year. So let's say you do sell a stock portfolio or you sell your family business to retire. So what they'll do is they'll impute that you probably owe a lot more tax than 25%, and in some instances it's up to upwards of 50%, and we, we call it a withholding. So they, they hold on to that tax. They actually take it from you before they've calculated if you owe it or not. And if you don't owe it, then they'll return it to you over the next seven years. But the trick here is, Wayne, you have to have income over the next seven years to reclaim that and bring it back into your your own hands and your family's estate. But traditionally, when you do a large disposition of assets, let's say you sell your family business in a practical way, you're not about to have a whole bunch of income in the next seven years because you have a one-time settlement. And so how are you going to create that income to re- retrieve that extra tax that you paid prematurely? And so it can be a tax grab in effect. And for many families, it's very complicated. And then to make matters worse, everybody is aware of this. The last few years, they've categorized our dividends from our companies into eligible and ineligible dividends. And so, you know, just as a normal shareholder operating a business, a lot of people find that very complex to understand the difference between the two classes. But imagine now applying alternative minimum tax on top of that. And that's what about is about to happen. 
And so we, you may not want to call it a wealth tax for optics, the government, but in fact, it's exactly what it is. Because if you are supposed to only pay 25% tax on a capital gain, but you sell a large pool at once, and then you're forced to pay 50% and have no way to claim it back, your tax rate in effect is 50% then. And so this is our fear as planners is how punitive are they going to be? And over the years, this taxation, you know, has been fairly effective in the government collecting wealth from the wealthy with it going, I call it undercover um, or stealth. And, you know, only once somebody actually sells a large portion of shares or their corporation, do they run up against it? And then they're often very surprised because they presumed, you know, my tax rate will be 25% on these assets and it's not. And when the government withholds that up to 50% amount and then they pay it back over the seven years, assuming that the uh, business or the individual has income to substantiate that re- repayment, is that repaid with interest? Of course not. So this <laughs> is the challenge is that the government is early collecting on the wealthy, in effect. And so one of the things that we're curious to be looking out for in this next period is, you know, how punitive will this tax rate be? I don't think with the the government alliance that we have with the NDP and the Liberal government at this time that there'll be a lot of sympathy for the wealthy class. And so from the standpoint of that alliance, they're in a really powerful position to employ whatever level of a minimum tax they feel they want to. And so we're trying to brace our clients right now um, proactively depending on how this unfolds. So, for example, perhaps we should be selling the family business if you were planning to sell it very quickly anyway, perhaps we should be selling it before the release of these rules because we'll fall under the old set of minimum tax rules instead of the new set. So what everything that we can do to what we call effective date your estate plan, meaning we take advantage of the rules that we're currently in before the new rules are employed, you know, will be favorable to our families, of course. Sure. Now, another change, Sherry, there's something called the general anti-avoidance rule. Now, what's that all about, and and how is that going to impact people? Yeah, this one is quite interesting. Um, The general anti-avoidance rule, we actually, in industry, we call that the God rule, (laughs) G-O-D. And the reason we call it that is it's a, a blanket statement by Canada Revenue Agency saying that if, for any reason, you're planning uh, your taxation with the intention of minimizing your tax as the sole purpose of the plan, then they can employ this anti-avoidance rule to that transaction and disqualify it. Now, often these types of transactions have to go through the court systems to be ruled upon, um, but this proposed amendment is extrapolating how those rules would be attributed to reduce tax on transactions. So the challenge is even filing a tax return in principle is designed to minimize your tax. And so is that anti-avoidance? Well, I guess it's up for interpretation depending on who's reviewing it. And so because they're endeavoring to make these rules, these God rules, even stronger than God, um, we're very fearful that they will attack many, many transactions in the years to come uh, where they think there's high net worth families that could incur taxation. And so often when we're planning an estate, 
you know, we don't put in our plan that the whole reason for doing the plan is only tax planning. And and generally speaking, it's not, Wayne. I mean, families do estate planning to keep harmony in their family for appropriate distribution, equal and fair. Um, they do it to make sure it's legally binding. There's many reasons people do estate planning as well as saving tax. So it's not the only and primary reason. And so we definitely document our records appropriately so that we can justify the transactions that we do for our families and stand up to Canada Revenue Agency and this GAR rule. Um, But, you know, it is noteworthy that the government in itself is trying to make sure that this is more exhaustive in its impact. All right. Another good reason why people should be taking a look at effective estate planning strategies. We're going to pause for a break, Sherry. The McMillan team will be hosting two virtual seminars, Wednesday, May 18th and Wednesday, June 15th, both days at 6.30 p.m., to talk with you about estate or life planning. To register, you will need to contact McMillan Estate Planning, 1-833-266-6464 during weekday office hours, or visit the website for more information at mcmillanestate.com. Sherry McMillan from McMillan Estate Planning is my guest today, and we'll be back with more on Talk to the experts.